Good morning. It is Tuesday morning. Another warm start to the day. It was real hot yesterday. Um, I'm going to start looking to trade cars with my wife so that she could take my car, um, which she thinks has a better air conditioning system um, than uh, the car that she drives, so I'm uh, happy to do an experiment with that. <laughs> it's kind of funny to think about that kind of stuff, but I honestly feel like the air conditioner is better in the car that she drives, but uh, it's all good. Happy wife, happy life. So, um, and if you know if it rhymes, uh, it must be true. So, um, <laughs> my lunch falling over that's okay uh, so interesting day yesterday um, spent a lot of time trying to research some solutions to a couple of projects uh, one project has to do with uh, tracking uh, not just the tugger uh, tugger vehicles that go through the factory but actually the carts that they pull um, so we've been looking at trying to have a couple of things. Um, one, a safety system that as a vehicle goes through the factory, um, it'll trigger lights to turn on. Those lights will turn on and kind of guide the path that the tugger is supposed to go, but also kind of inform people, whether by blinking or something like that, that hey, you're standing on a path that um, a vehicle is going to be going down. And so that's been kind of a tough solution to hammer out um, simply because there's not a one package that kind of does it all so we're having to piecemeal uh, some things together but we found a solution from a company called Contact.io and uh, they use low energy Bluetooth tags um, to kind of uh, triangulate position of whatever you have them on. So it'll kind of know based off signal strength and what kind of uh, pickup station, I forget the uh, technical term, it's beacon and maybe access point, we'll call it access point. Um, whatever access point it's close to, it can kind of tell by signal strength. And uh, it's, it's kind of like a active RFID tag that lasts about 10 years. And so, thinking is let's put these on all of our tugger carts not not the tuggers themselves but the tugger carts and we can track the location of where all of our carts are at and if we know the location we can kind of say all right the bin that serve or the, the the cart that serves this area which would have the bin that you need that cart was last seen here based on where it was last seen um and data that we collect when using it, um, it probably will be here in the next 10 minutes. So if you're freaking out about running out of parts, don't because that'll be fixed soon. And so that's kind of the, the idea we have with, with uh, rolling that out. Um, the contact IO company, um, they can provide the tags, they can provide the data analytics, and if we want even a front end, so their product, you pay a subscription per tag, something like, um, we 
could get pricey the more tags you roll out. It's because I think it's like $30 a month per tag for them to do all the, the data. Um, so, you know, we're talking, or annually, sorry. Um, so if we're talking 100 tags, you know, that's a little bit pricey, but um, cheaper than another solution I saw. Another solution was $2.50 per square foot. Um, and we want to cover about 200 square feet. So um, I think the math is going to work out in our case. As far as the lights go, that's kind of the, the piece that we've been able to figure out how to use um, some devices to turn lights on when it's in, in range of a low energy Bluetooth tag. Um, but we haven't figured out how to kind of merge the systems together. And they did not seem a contact interested in, uh, in kind of helping us with that part of the solution. They said, nope, this is what we do. We do it well. Um, you know, figure it out. Let us know. You know, we could tell other people. Um, so that was kind of um, like, okay. Um, but on one hand, I appreciate their honesty and being, uh, you know, direct in what their core competency is. On the other hand, um, it kind of was just like, uh, yeah, we don't want to figure out anything else than what we've already figured out. You know, like, you, the customer, um, we don't want to help you add value with our solution. Uh, take it or leave it. So, I don't know. I could go either way with that one. Um, it, it probably depends on, on <laughs> you know, honestly, the, the mood that I'm in because... I could, uh, I like the idea of just saying, yep, this is what we do. If you don't like it, hey, it's not a fit. Uh, but uh, kind of the people pleaser in me would say, yeah, let's figure out how to do it. By the way, here's the quote to do something like that. You know, and try to generate additional value for the company. So, um, you know, that's, there's probably different points on that spectrum. It's probably not, you know, one way or the other. But, uh, so, that was kind of cool. Got some some progress on that yesterday from a technology solution. Um, also talked to an automation company that we've been trying to, to figure out a project with. Um, this is the, the potted conduit. Um, just financially, it's not going to make sense to fully automate a solution. Um, so now we're just kind of talking about semi-automation. Um, and what I mean by semi-automated is figuring out how to take off uh, one or two steps that's currently done by an operator and replace that by a machine. So in this case, um, we hang something in a rigid structure, but it ends up looking like all these these parts are hung on a clothesline. And you got people that put them on, take them off, and you know, why they perform an operation in the middle. So um, thinking like a carousel, uh, where you put the part on, do what you got to do and then the carousel will rotate uh, for the cure time of this part and then once it hits the end of its its cure time cycle um, it'll kind of pop off go down a slide into a bin um, and uh, you basically would need to process you know like two a minute in order to hit the daily demand when it's at its highest so um, it's not going to be a very uh, labor-intensive operation like it is now, we might actually see a very close amount of savings um, from a labor standpoint than we would if we were to fully automate. So, um, 
because right now we will batch uh, a whole bunch of these and you know put them all on the rack fill them all up wait 20 minutes take them all down um, and if we got to do one every 30 seconds um, the only concern is we might have to change our, our way of thinking when it comes to mixing the, uh, the potting material which is like a concrete um, and uh, so but that's something that you know we could figure out as we go uh, and I think there's some folks on the team that are engaged enough and understand the value of that change um, to uh, be on board with brainstorming new ways of doing things uh, you know maybe it's we need smaller cups or something like that um, and our mixing process isn't all that great um, it's not uh, very elegant let's say um, but it kind of is what it is um, and we can come up with a, a more elegant way to do it uh, should the situation call for it so we'll figure it out I think the big part is where's the portion that could add value let's see what that is and then whatever gaps we have figure out how to close those and come up with uh, uh, solutions on that so I'm not too terribly worried about it um, I think it's a good compromise of a solution given that uh, the original solution just wasn't going to fly the, the, the decrease in labor was going to be offset by an increase in material cost and that's just not going to work <laughs> um, but what's also cool talking to the same company and they were real cool with that idea as a solution um, talking to the same company um, we're, we're trying to figure out how to get robots in and it's tough to bring something in without uh, a, a, a capex project for it to go in on and I'm trying to get some, some verbiage from the corporate operational excellence team to say no you need to do this bring some things in and you know let yourself kind of have a, a laboratory to figure it out um, you know as far as automation goes with COVID it's been very difficult to, to bring visitors in uh, near impossible and I, I, I'm good with that because you know safety of our people comes first um, but it's prevented you know getting some experts in and you know you can only see so much of a process via video you know um, might be bits and pieces that you think you have figured out that you don't because you're not you know there to see it and uh, there's things you miss even if you are there to see it so um, you know it gets kind of tough to uh, to make proposals and try to automate things if you don't have all the bits and pieces together to, to try to do that and uh, so you know, the thinking is get some machines in budget for them and say, all right, by the end of the year, we'll have them paying for themselves. Uh, we just need to be able to operate in an experimental type state in order to get there. So um, I know that's, that's uh, kind of putting the chicken before the egg, um, but uh, you know what? <laughs> um, I feel like that kind of has to be done sometime. So we'll see. Um, but what's really cool, another idea that came up use of a robot we have a powder coat line um, and the powder coat line uh, 
has like a hand spray operation for when we run lower batches of colors. And so some of the thinking is, since that, that hand spray line requires two people to, to spray, um, what if we put an operator in one window, so there's windows in this, this booth that are offset by about a meter uh, from you know side A, side B, so when you powder coat apart, you typically look at it in a two-dimensional plane, um, and uh, you have people offset in this booth so they're not spraying powder on each other. Um, but what if we had a robot that was set up kind of on like a, a time delay so that when we're the operator is spraying in window A, um, when the part gets, you know, a meter down the line, the robot mimics the motion that the operator was just using to spray the other side of the part. And so it'd be kind of cool. You would only need one person. Now, it probably wouldn't pay for itself that quickly because we utilize the... Uh, the hand booth for lower runners of parts, but uh, it could be something useful um, for that operation if we're trying to think about labor savings and improve quality. Because if you train an operator um, to do the hand spray and they do it correctly, um, you don't have the variable of two people trying to do it. Now, the nice thing about the powder coat hand spray booth is one side is less critical than another. So if you're training somebody, they could be on the less critical side and if there's any defects, um, sorry, acceptable imperfections, um, then it's not going to be cause for rejection on the part. So you would kind of lose that uh, and have to develop another uh, training approach. But again, um, I feel like that's a pretty solvable problem and it's not like a, a showstopper. Um, so that was just some things that, uh, some thinking in some of the projects that, that are being worked. We also are working with the company Bright Machines to automate a small electronics assembly. Um, so we're waiting for an ND, NDA from them, but they have a kind of a center of excellence here locally. They are an offshoot from uh, Flex or formerly Flextronics um, and uh, what's kind of cool is, you know, they only do business if they could show um, savings. So they have no interest in doing work that's not going to lead to savings. So they will reject our business if they don't see the value. And what's kind of cool about them is, you know, um, they're kind of like a temp agency, except that instead of being a um, provider of people, they're a provider of robots and so you're basically paying their robot to do the work of your people so I think we found a, a good project the small electronic assembly we do maybe a thousand a day um, and they said a thousand is not a big deal what else could we put through this so um, you know there may be things that we're making now that are kind of supermarket type items that uh, you know we could do a lights out um, or uh, you know generate some capacity and free up some folks to go to some of our trouble areas um, so there's some cool things in the works um, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about that um, you know I've been trying to kind of change the gears we have a new product launch coming and I've been trying to get a manufacturing engineer uh, 
to really communicate the urgency of some of the challenges that are being faced. Um, those have kind of been not happening, so I'm trying to, to bring across the point um, that we need to communicate the, like strongly the things that are getting in the way because no communication comes across as everything is a-okay. <laughs> so um, we need to communicate loudly and clearly that no, some things are not good. And so um, just trying to get people to communicate a little bit differently um, when it comes to some things. And sometimes that's pretty tough. Um, but you know what? It's all kind of like a learning experience. So speaking of learning experience, today I'm parking in a different spot because as I walked out yesterday afternoon, I noticed that my car was in the direct sunlight for all afternoon. I'm kind of thinking, huh, I wonder how I can make my car not as hot when I get into it because it's kind of burning my hands on the steering wheel. Um, I decided to park somewhere else and in a spot that I noticed had shade and probably had shade for a good couple hours. So um, I'll fill you in on this little experiment um, when I can. Anyway, that's all I got. Adios.